Welcome back to the Loud and Uninformed Podcast. On today's episode, Jeeb and I talk some MLB baseball, pretty much Braves and Phillies. Gotta work through our drama together, because Saturday was a great day for me, not so much for him. Then we cover college football, kind of talk through how the landscape has changed with this past weekend. Dive into some NFL football, also going over you know what quarterbacks have still looked good, what teams need to do. Are the 49ers the best team we've seen in a long time? And then we wrap it up with some sage advice for the MLB with how they should run their playoffs. Before we hop into today's episode, wanted to give note that the Halloween nights at the Eastern State Penitentiary has returned in full force for another season of Sinister Scares, enchanting entertainment and unforgettable moments in a truly one-of-a-kind setting. This immersive experience features five thrilling haunted houses inside a massive abandoned penitentiary complex, plus historic tours, theme bars, live entertainment, and more. You might even see Jeeb there. Loves a good thrill. So buy online at HalloweenNights.org and use the promo code CC23B8PJ3V. Again, that is CC23B8PJ3V to save $5 off your ticket. This code is not valid for Saturday nights in October. Get it all out. Go ahead. What's up, Jeeb? How's it feel to be down 0-1? Not great. How, how do you think it feels? <laughs> um, I got to say, it was a really fun Saturday night. Very enjoyable. Um, it's always great when your team pitches a shutout. Uh, how did it feel to be on the other end of it? How do you think it felt? Like It felt great. Um, no, I mean, it was just very frustrating. Like we needed that game. Strider's our only healthy starter, um, who's worth a damn. I mean, Freed, Freed's injured. He's coming off an injury. Uh, so obviously tonight I, I looked at yet yeah, last night as a, uh, must win or not last night, Saturday night is a must win. Um, so tonight's definitely a must win. I don't feel great about the situation um what's up with fritz i keep hearing about this blister on his hand well uh, yeah i mean he's he's been kind of banged up just injuries here and there all season uh and now he's got a blister on his hand which i mean for pitchers is a pretty big deal uh but he he pitched in the scrimmage games that they did uh during the wild card series um, so, I mean, hopefully everything's good. It's playoff baseball. Like you got to forget about it and go out there and perform well. So hopefully he's able to do that. But, um, I, uh, I didn't like the pitching. I thought was good. Strider pitched well. I thought the bullpen pitched well, like three runs. You know, if you told me that we'd hold you guys to three runs in a game, I'd be fine with that. If I could hold you all to three runs, Every game, just give it three runs. I, I'd be totally fine with that. But the uh, the hitting wasn't there at all. Uh, it was really poor. Um, the at-bats were not good. We weren't patient. We, we were swinging at the first pitch. Acuna was just – I mean, Acuna swings at the first pitch a lot, and he's has success doing it, so I can't be too mad at him. But just, like, 
work the count a little bit. Don't swing at shit. Um, he he and, was and, up to bat in two big situations and didn't even put the ball in play for you guys, which is like easy yeah. MVP. <laughs> you I, got it on play. No, it's it's baseball. Like it's it, stuff happens. Like our Harper. Like I think of Harper. If Harper comes up at a big plate experience in the playoffs, like I got good confidence that this guy's going to at least put his bat on the ball and like make the fielders. And I, I have good confidence in Acuna. Like he, he has performed well in big situations, and I think he will again. Um, it, it's the rest of the lineup that I'm worried about. It's the bottom half after Azuna, is where during the season, like during the first half of the season, that part of the lineup was cooking, and they've slowed down a lot in the second half of the season. Uh, Michael Harris had really bad play. He he had really bad efforts. Uh, we need him. Uh, Rosario, I don't like, I wish Rosario weren't even on the team. I, I wish we would just hit Pilar. Um, but you got to remember what he did, uh, in the world series year. So hopefully he can get that going again. And it, like to echo what you said, I thought your pitching was perfectly fine. Strider pitched well. I do say the Phillies were getting contact more than they typically do against Strider, which I think was boating well. Cause in the first inning, they got the bat on the ball three times. Like he's a he's a strikeout guy. Well, that, no, but that's that's understandable. I'm not saying he pitched bad. I'm not saying he pitched bad. Like he 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 went out seven innings and gave up one run. Like that's he got like, a, two. I think. Um, I think only one was his. Two. But, uh, so no, because that the first run stemmed from that. Uh, I guess it was was it Bohm or Stott? It was a Stott uh, RBI, uh, and that's when no, it might have been Bohm. I, I get them confused. They look the same. But, uh, he, dude, he, he's throwing. He's trying to pick off Bryce Harper. Uh, 2 two outs. Like, don't even f- worry about him. Right. Throws the ball away. Bryce Harper gets the second, and then boom, knocks in people. So that was a run that shouldn't have happened. Then he gave up the home run to Bryce Harper. It happens. Bryce Harper's the best player in baseball. Not named Shohei Ohtani or probably on Ronald Acuna, but that's up for debate. Um, you know, you make a mistake. If you can limit your mistakes to just one, then that's fine. So hopefully he will get a chance to pitch again. Uh, and we'll have to come back to the bank now. It's guaranteed. If you guys said he'll have to pitch in the bank. The dude's a total psychopath. Like the, the bank is not going to, uh, no, no. Last year we rocked him in the bank. He was injured. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I, I still think he pitched well. Um, I do agree with you. My prediction for this game was a 7-5 Phillies win. I thought we were going to have to score at least five runs to, to win to win game one with how the Braves lineup typically goes. And I do think that's how the rest of the series will go. I, I don't think these shutout games are going to happen for either team moving forward. Um, the the cool, common, collected baseball fan of me will, will give the Braves that I do think – there might be a slight advantage to the wild card team having played games leading up to. Yeah, I that, I, I think so too. I mean, which that, is why like, like a lot of Phillies fans before this, I went down to the city to watch the game, and a lot of people were saying like, "Let's just look good tonight and take game two. because like that's the. But I was like, no, like our bats are the hot ones right now. Like go balls to the wall, which is what Topper did. Like he he knew it was a bullpen game from the get go, which is a really risky move in game one to like run through your entire bullpen, which if you guys get uh Wheeler off the mound early tonight, 
that doesn't bode well for a bullpen's arms the rest of the series. But um, yeah, what did you think of that decision to take out Suarez? Just out of curiosity. So I, I thought that was I was shocked. I like it. I love Ranger too. I don't think it was a situation where I didn't think Ranger was big enough for the moment. But especially after what Topper was saying after the game, he was like, we needed to go for it. So you put your best arms out there on the mound. And he told JT, the catcher, to use up his good stuff. Like told him to be pulling, but didn't tell Ranger, which is why Ranger was so upset <laughs> in the dugout. Yeah. But so it knew JT knew to like call all of his best pitches in those first three and a half innings. Um, and Ranger executed well for the most part. But then I kind of like, you know, for, I, I like Braves it. Could, the Braves literally didn't have anything going. That's why I was so surprised because. Uh, yeah, I but mean, I also think there were two guys on base and it was like pretty soft contact and maybe a walk or something. I forget how they got there, but it wasn't like like he was pitching bad. It's... I like Ranger, though. Like last playoffs, we used him a lot in a two inning spot where we'd bring him out of the bullpen. And I think he's one of those guys that can get psyched up and throw like, you know, 30 excellent pitches. But I mean, it worked again. It's a risky move because if the Braves had pulled that one out, hit our bullpen, then our arms are just exposed <laughs> going forward. Um, it worked out. But I mean, again, tonight, if the Braves can execute against the against Wheeler, then our bullpen's going to be in a tough spot. But the Philly fan of me doesn't think that's going to happen. Wheeler looks great against the Marlins. He's our best pitcher. I think we're going to come out strong once again. Harper's already got the back going. Lineup looks good. Turner's stealing bases. Turner's fielding great. I mean, you have to give him props for that uh, double play ball he turned on you guys in the eighth. That was just an insane play. Um, yeah. Like, $300 million will get you a shortstop who can turn yes double it play. Will. Yes, it will. Um, so I like our odds going into game two, especially like our odds for the series now that we've won game one. Knock on wood, of course. Um, but it was big, 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 big to take that first one. And, and I think both fan bases knew that for sure and felt it. So I will ask you this, though. What do you think about baseball's uh, five game series instead of seven? I, I think all I understand the wild card not being seven game series because that just yeah. Mm -hmm. But like everybody's playing. It should be seven games from here on out. Um, I don't know why it isn't because seven games, it's like, there's more, you know, if you lose in a seven game series, you like, that's it. You, you lose three out of five. There's more variance. And in a baseball, in, in a sport where, you know, variance is a part of baseball. It, it, I don't know. I don't know why it, it's, it's the playoffs. Like I get that baseball is a dying sport and I'm putting it in quotation marks for yeah, those who are uh, watching, but it, it, it's, we, we should be going all out for the playoffs. Like there's no reason not to. I don't want to ruin our sage advice segment today. Cause I think we'll go into this kind of discussion, but. Um, Can you at least tell us who we're doing or is it a. It's on the agenda, but it's the, it's okay. basically the MLB playoffs. I think they're. And again, we'll we'll give our sage advice for it, but I think it's the it's very exciting if you have your own team in it, obviously, but it really misses with the casuals. Yeah, and it also is terrible at promoting itself. Terrible at just the times they start games is horrible, <laughs> and when they have, them, yeah, like, it's horribly set up. Um, but it's 
But you go out and watch and you watch your team and there's just amazing moments like Stott's home run, uh, grand slam against the Marlins is like, that's such a cool moment as a sports fan. Um, and baseball has those moments like every postseason, it seems. So I we'll, we'll talk about our stage advice a little bit later, but I think going into the game too, what, what do you, what's your prediction tonight? Uh, I think the Braves win four, three. Four three win. I'm going to take Phillies in a in a very hot bat night. I think we're going to go seven five. Phillies win. Okay. I think I think both teams are going to be back, and I think I'm going to hold to what I said before game one. Phillies need to score a lot of runs in this series in order to win it. Um, but yeah, be good. Elsewhere, not if the Braves don't figure something out. That that was I. I'm very. It looks like we're going back to our original lineup. Why we changed our lineup, I don't know. That that's just like what what I, are you to be honest with you? I think uh I think really what you gotta fix is blooper. I think uh blooper ran his mouth a little too much. I think our Twitter account was running its mouth a little too much about <laughs> who cares about blooper? I don't even think that the blooper account is associated with the Braves. So I I don't understand. <laughs> why everybody's so obsessed with starting a, a fight with the mascot but that's, I think it's that's so when I, I had to turn off Twitter as that's just like I cannot deal with this I'm losing brain cells I I thought it was so funny um that like if you think of the dimensions of it it's like the mascots tweeting but really the mascots a man in a suit and this it's probably just a social media intern that's running that account. so it's like multiple layers who this blooper character is um but he is a shitty mascot he runs his mouth too much and uh gotta say truest park they gotta get behind their guys i know you have no idea what truest park you have no idea what the environment was like you have absolutely no idea you weren't watching a lot of people were sitting down a lot of people were sitting down during big moments you saw a few rich people sitting behind home plates sitting down and assumed the stadium was dead like i that's I know they they cut to the sides too, and now I'll tell you what it was a sellout crowd. I'm sure I'm sure it was pretty loud, but I feel like if you're if you got to be desperate for your team, you got to be standing. Um, you can't just be like Marlins man and go to the wrong game and sit behind home plate. You know. All right. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not there, so I can't. That's true. That's true. Can't say I, anything. I looked into Philly's tickets and they're already as expensive as last year's NLCS games. And I was like, all right, I don't think I'll be going this year. <laughs> um, uh, I saw they were like 300 bucks for the, it's looking like for the cheaper ones. 300 for standing room. And then like where I sat last year for the NLCS is like up to like $700, which was like yeah. third bit, yeah. like left field line, but like 20 rows up. <laughs> I was looking the year the Braves were in the World Series. I was looking. I was like very much about to go. Uh, I was talking to my friend in Atlanta, and we were both about to drop like twelve hundred dollars. And I would have had to pay for a plane ticket too. Yeah, that'd be rough. And, and then didn't end up doing it. Kind of wish I had because, like, obviously we ended up winning that World Series. So you're a college student too, like you were at that time. Well, no, I, I had just graduated, so oh, I was yeah. making real money. That's the only reason I was considered. Yeah. yeah. It's when that like that first few months where you're actually starting to make money, and it's like, whoa, 
you know, you, right, you exactly. influx of cash. You don't know how to, you don't want to do wise things with it. And then, and then you have to pay taxes your first time and then you go, Oh, right. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. Well, hopefully <laughs> the withhold thing. Yeah. Um, do you care about any other baseball series? I'm, I'll say this. I'm sad to see the Orioles look like they're going to get knocked out already. Yeah. So. My dad's actually an Orioles fan. So okay. he's very upset. Um, I, I think the Orioles are a really cool story. I don't like Ravens or their fans, but I do like the Orioles. Um, stadium's really cool, cool environment, and and they look like they have good fans, like good support, even though the yeah, team really yeah, stayed. they do, and they've been bad for so long, and they really weren't supposed to be good this year, right? So it's uh, you know, hopefully they can at least make it interesting. Yeah, and then elsewhere, there's a. We're going to be going back. Everybody's talking about Phillies Braves, probably the biggest matchup right now. And the Diamondbacks just look like a wagon on the other side of the NL. Like the hottest team in baseball right now. Des- yeah, and I, I think whoever yeah, I, I was worried about the Dodgers. Uh, I mean, I, I was worried about this series, but it's like whoever wins this series is going to have like a very tough, you know, Dodgers are the second best team in baseball statistically. Like, they, and I think they're a more complete playoff team than the Braves right. are. So, uh, well, but, the Braves, but, um, yeah, sorry, I cut off your point. Go ahead. I mean, like you said, the Diamondbacks are, and that's baseball. Sometimes you just got to be the hot team. Yep. I guess, uh, Notre Dame Louisville didn't go too well. So that was a thankful reason that the Phillies game was that night because then I went out in the city after and like I was just seeing it on my phone and I was just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Got, got the feed in from head scout Ed Foley, my dad. Uh, what he told me is we just looked terrible. Hartman didn't make smart decisions. The play calling was super stale. Like it looked like we're just an easy to scout team kind of out there right now. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it was the weekend of the blue bloods that always say they're back, not being back. That's what this football weekend was. Notre Dame, Texas, and Miami all lose after having pretty good starts to the year. Yeah. How about Miami? Because that was hilarious. Like that, that is just, it couldn't have happened to a shittier program with a worse fan base. I mean, it, it really, to the, it made to the happy. listeners that maybe aren't privy to it, weren't following Miami football. Miami's undefeated this year, looking pretty good. If it was the old BCS system, uh, there's a Twitter account that still runs the old BCS formula. Miami was number one going into the week in the old BCS system. So if we were 10 years ago, they would be <laughs> going up one of the weekend. But they had the game in hand. All they had to do was kneel the ball. Like there was no way to give the ball back. And they ran it, fumbled. Georgia Tech ran like a... They got the ball to 50 and ran a nice deep pass for the win <laughs> and, and ruined their perfect season. And it's even worse as their head coach, Mario Cristobal. This is the second time he's done it as a head coach where all he had to do was kneel and fumbled and lost. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. When I saw that, I was like, there's no way he just did it again. Like, and, and then I look back, it was like, was it Oregon Stanford or something a few years yeah. ago? It's and it's just like, what? How do you not learn? Like, one time is uh, inexcusable. There's no excuse not to be kneeling the ball. Like, uh, and, and the best part was apparently it was 
people were saying, oh, it's their recruits. Like he wanted to dress up the score a little bit or their running back was coming back from being injured and they wanted to get him a few yards. But the, the recruits were shoved into Dolphin Stadium. You know, it's mostly empty. And then they have to watch that. It's just a hilarious uh, situation. All you know what recruits care about is if the program's mm-hmm. on an upward trending uh, direction, and if they were going like six and seven zero, playing Florida State or whoever they have their next best team on the schedule, like that's what recruits would care about. But I don't know. I I think recruits will will respond well to the uh, NIL package, but. Their boosters might have to shell out a couple thousand more dollars a year right. now that they just put on that performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's disappointing. So you have winning. I I are you a Miami backer? I oh sorry, I was thinking about Notre Dame again. I oh, just can't yeah. it. <laughs> sorry, Miami, I'm not disappointed about. But what's disappointing is losing games because of bad coaching, and that's what it sounds like Notre Dame and Miami both did. Now, Texas. I watched the second half. I Are we going to wait for Skyler on this, or should we just rip it? Um, we'll rip it. At this point, he's a late, late. Player. All right. Tardy. Um, Red River, awesome game. I think everybody knew it was going to be a shootout, but Texas was the favorite, uh, thinking, hey, they've demolished bad teams, which is something they typically don't do. They had the big win at Alabama, something they don't do. It's like, all right, this might be the new era. Is this year? And then they go out and give up a touchdown with a minute 37 left on the clock to, to hand over the game to Oklahoma. Um, again, great game. If you're a Texas fan, heartbreaking. If you're an Oklahoma fan, suddenly you're a top five team in the country, second year under Venable. Yeah. Like, Which is uh, pretty interesting considering who their, uh, what their former coach had to do. I ended up uh, a certain – person who must not be named decided to text me multiple times causing my phone to buzz and it woke me up uh and so i ended up watching the last part of usc arizona was that Um, what was it me that was texting you it it was you who was texting me yeah (laughs) um so i ended up watching the last part of usc arizona it had to go to overtime Apparently Arizona is pretty good this year. I can't say that I've watched too much Arizona football, but, uh, but yeah, even saying Arizona is pretty good this year, like Arizona's best year, USC should still be better. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at where the two programs are, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you've got to be happy. Um, if you're a Big 12 fan, you're probably pissed off that Texas and Oklahoma are clearly the best two teams in the conference. Yeah. Uh, and they have been for – or at least Oklahoma has been for a while. But um, with Oklahoma fans, I've been seeing a lot of people now saying like that were Oklahoma fans being like, this is why we wanted Lincoln Riley gone and da 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 And I don't spend too much time on the Oklahoma message boards. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm following that closely. But they're talking like they've been talking like this for the last year and a half. It's like, they're like, now we have a coach that cares about defense, which is true. Lincoln Riley doesn't care about defense. But it's like, you guys were so upset when he left you for USC. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, the way I look at it is, is that they like, as soon as Lincoln Riley left, it's like, all right, you know, you're, uh, what's the right word for it? 
your copium, you know, you're using copium said, all right, well, let's get a physical a coach who will bring some physicality to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like Oklahoma looked like a good team offensively too. Like Jeff Levy's doing a really good job um, drawing plays up. Like I knew that they were good defensively. Um, that's, that's Venables kind of key to how he's, he's a defensive minded head coach, but the uh, the scheme is looking really good. Dylan Gabriel, um, I I don't want to say it's looking amazing, but he's getting the job done. He's using his legs when he not when he has to, but like pretty pretty frequently. And and it's uh, he looks good. He looks yeah, good. he does. I think Texas's offense looked good, but they I I saw like I think Texas was in the red zone three times and ended up with three points. Um, in the first half, they got stood up on a goal line stand. And they have four downs from the one, um, so that wasn't a good thing. So they've got to clean. They've got to figure out how to get the ball in the end zone. Um, but I still think they're the most explosive offense. Just made the Big Twelve championship extremely interesting. It's is it safe to say that that game is a playoff berth? I mean, it definitely is if Oklahoma runs the table. But I even think if they could both afford well okay i should say they both texas i, I don't a lot has to happen for that to happen for, if, if what you're about to say is what i think you're I, about I, before to say, i came out of my mouth yeah before i came out of my mouth i need to clear that up texas can't lose again i think oklahoma if they lost in some kind of shootout big 12 style you know last second touchdown they could still have a chance to see how things shake out but this kind of something I want to talk about. Are we just going to have two Big Ten teams once again? Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. One, two of those three is going to take up two playoff spots. I hope not, because Ohio State. That I mean, the Notre Dame loss or the Notre Dame win doesn't look great anymore. Kyle McCord. I mean, they they were playing around with Maryland for a while, and I don't think Maryland's a very good team. McCord is not what they've had in the past. So obviously that's some pretty uh some pretty top-notch quarterback play that you got to live up to. But he does not look great. Uh I think I I want to see Penn State come out of that division. That I would conference. love to see it too. I think that's the only way only one team makes it is if Penn State's the one to run the table. But yeah, but what happens if there's this like kind of three-way Cannibalism, yeah. a triangle of death. Well, then yeah. I think it comes down to which is a very realistic situation. Yeah, I think I think Ohio State is like a notch below Penn State and Michigan. I, I think so far it's it's safe. You 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 mean Ohio State's a notch below Michigan, Penn State? Yeah, okay. in terms of like just yeah, I think so far looking at the schedule, yes. Um, it's hard to say though because who has really Penn State played so far? two or in Michigan who have they played you know like there's that argument as well um, yeah but I I would I would say yes because neither of them are playing with their food sort of thing like they're just dominating games um but if you were to do a playoff right now it's Georgia it's Florida State and then you have two spots up and if Oklahoma runs the table Texas runs the table that should be a playoff spot Pac-12's still got some good teams. You know, if Oregon 
stays undefeated. Washington stays undefeated. It's hard to say they wouldn't get in, but then are you leaving the big 10 out? <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, it's easy situation. It's going to be an interesting last year of 14 playoff. Like um, I think somebody's there, there are going to be, there's going to be at least one fan base, possibly two. And it's probably going to be of the blue blood variety and yeah. they're not going to be very happy. And it's going to be hilarious to watch. You know, for a fact, they're going to let an SEC team in, even if Georgia loses or something. No. Like, an SEC team's getting in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't – I think probably, but I, I think that there's a situation – like, who's going to win the West? It's probably going to be Bama. But say it's LSU, say LSU beats Georgia, and then say you have the situation that you just talked about. Can LSU win the West anymore? Yes, they 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 just have to beat Bama. And do they need Bama to lose again? No, because if they have the tiebreaker, yeah, because they've only lost one SEC game. So if LSU beats Bama, and then that's assuming, hold on, but then Ole Miss would, then there would be that three-way. Ole Miss lost to Bama. Bunch of weird stuff right. happens. So I don't, I don't know. This is when it gets. Uh, Interesting. We'll see. We'll see when it gets when we get there. I think the Bama LSU game is going to be very close. It's just sure, but I I still don't see the committee. There's an SEC bias. I'll stand by it. I think they're getting a team no matter what. It's hard. It's an SEC bias too, but yeah, I think there's also somewhat of a Big Ten bias. Sure. I at least think though that there's three quality Big Ten teams, like playoff caliber teams. Yeah, I mean, and this is going to contradict because I've been talking up Penn State, but we don't know. Like, we haven't seen sure Penn State um, or Michigan play anybody yet. So, but then it's hard to say that Florida State doesn't deserve it if they go undefeated in an, an ACC that now has a bunch of top twenty-five teams. Yeah, you know, and Pac-12, which early on looked like the best conference in college football. I don't know if I would still say that, but they've got some juggernauts in there as well. Oregon. I think the Pac-12 will ultimately beat itself up. I, I don't think we're going to be talking about an undefeated Pac-12 champion. But I think that uh, whoever that one lost champion is, is going to be a very much a factor in the playoff conversation. But we have a lot of football left to be played. Yeah. It's, that's why we play out the season. So, Right. And I, I think that's the word cannibalism. We'll see of the Washington, Oregon. USC, I very much think that they could lose to Notre Dame <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Even though Notre Dame's like escape Duke had a big letdown against Louisville. It's still a really good defense. Yeah. And as long as their offense comes out to play a little bit, USC's like defense sucks. Like their, it, their defense is really bad. All like really all Notre Dame has to do, give it to Audrey Gaston made 35 times. Let him let him do it. You know, use Hartman on the play action whenever just turn into that Titans. Prime Derrick Henry Titans and you should be able to run it down USC's throats. So. Oh, no. It'll be, it'll be an interesting wrap-up to college football. Say that much. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, I think, the most parody-ridden year that we've had in a while. Which is great. Uh, and, 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 like, Georgia, I guess they just 
beat the shit out of Kentucky, but like they have not looked good at all. Like they they are not the indestructible team that they've been the last two years. So I'd agree with that. I still find it hard to not say that they're the best team in the country. Like a lot of people are calling for them to lose their number one spot. I don't think you can't like I think just by like having won the last two national championships, not that that should decide them getting into the playoff or not, but I, I do think they should hold on to the one spot until they lose. Like, yeah, I mean, definitely. And they're also playing in the top two most difficult league in the country. So like even South Carolina, you know, like they still have quality five-star players on their roster. Yeah. <laughs> and some I think luck. Florida is underlooked, although uh gets tougher to say that every yeah they it, I I I you Florida disappointed me, but yeah, you gotta kind of drop that one. Oh, I think someone's finally joining. Mr. Lamal Brown, how's it going? What's up, guys? You guys miss me? We just uh talked some baseball. Um Jeep cried a little bit. I had to cheer him up, you know, sure. a little bit better. Let me, uh, let, let me guess. Was, was Jeep uh, pessimistic about the Braves' chances overall? I would say yes. <laughs> I do think by the end of the MLB segment, Jeep, though, that you, you had a little hope. So I will That's say good. <laughs> Um, It's forced optimism. That's I, I'm really having to dig deep to be optimistic. And I'm not the most optimistic person, so no. I know that going in. Uh, but um, I, the vibes are not good. Tonight can change that. But yeah, vibes. we kind of covered college football. I don't know if you have anything you want to you want to throw in there. We talked a lot about how if you look at the playoff right now, you got Georgia, you've got undefeated Florida State, a chance at an undefeated Pac-12 team in Washington, Oregon, or whatever. The winner of the Big Twelve championship, Oklahoma, Texas, looks like a playoff team and oh, then yeah. Ohio State Michigan Penn State who's getting left out like that's a crazy scenario there and so nobody mentioned UCLA's massive win this weekend <laughs> it was not discussed <laughs> I was gonna say we actually a buddy of mine from from this area said he started listening to the podcast and the one thing he said was we don't talk that we don't talk about Notre Dame football enough <laughs> what and I said, "Oh, oh, buddy! I think I think you might have landed on just the right podcast for you." Well, um, but that was disappointing this weekend. That was the one game that I really had a chance to lock in on. Um, Louisville's got Hartman's number, I guess. I think, I think Louisville's low key, like they're undefeated. They win the ACC, like yeah. they might upset Florida. Like they're, they're undefeated. I think. All right. We didn't go too much into it because I didn't get to watch it, but my dad gave me the rundown, and he just sure. said that Notre Dame looks like a very easy team to scout when you're pl- for their offense. Yeah, like how State they got them because it was early on they hadn't showed their good stuff, but then like they keep going back to the same stuff, and it's like, no, we know where to scout that now. How do you give up zero sacks to Ohio State and five to Louisville? Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's Louisville's smart. got a look, like a very good defense. Ohio State's got top 10 picks on their D line. Yeah. yeah. I think the problem kind of with everything in, in college football is like, you know, is this the game that Ohio state has circled on their calendar? I mean, to a degree, obviously, but they have bigger games this year for Louisville. This is like, you know, this is their Super Bowl. This is their fourth straight 7 PM primetime kickoff in Notre Dame. Yeah. 
Exactly. That's tough. <laughs> and they were talking. I know. I, you know. You didn't get a chance to watch it. Join but a on conference. The podcast, Fix that by a, joining a conference. You know yeah, what? Next week. Next week for me. Next week, Fox's game days at Notre Dame for USC Notre Dame. Five straight primetime games. <laughs> they were mentioning, like, um, you know, that there is an obvious uh, 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 fatigue that comes into playing all of these massive games back to back to back to back. So um, they they were definitely emphasizing that, and I, I think it's a massive factor. Um, and I think when you look at uh, Notre Dame's schedule, this was the game that was probably overlooked in this run of like really good like you have to wonder yeah you have to wonder half of their schedule is kind of a gauntlet yeah yeah they still have clemson left still obviously usc this weekend who i honestly think us as i said to g as long as norm's offense running game shows up because usc's defense is dog shit like yeah yeah they did not have a good showing this weekend and i think you get to 28 35 points caleb williams gonna score three touchdowns at least so you just gotta (laughs) Get them more than them, sort of thing. Yeah. Notre Dame's defense, I think, is good enough to keep them the three or four. Um, but yeah. What's the line on that game? At this point, USC's got to be favored. It's at Notre Dame, but I think Notre Dame's favored by two and a half. At Notre Dame. Okay. It's also really interesting to see how the rankings kind of in the Pac 12 are shaking out. I would not have pegged Washington to be the top team left of the unbeatens, even with with Oregon and, and USC. Maybe that's a I think Washington's going to be my adopted Pac-12 team. And yeah, it's Utah. But well, so I just took a peek at their schedule, and like obviously Penix is fantastic, and like they have the roster for it, but they don't really have a single impressive win so far. They, so no, it could be frauds. Like it's very possible that they're frauds. Um, like this last week, they beat Arizona by seven. You know, like fine, but. I'm not really, that doesn't really scream to me that they're, you know, I guess they started at 10 and they have done nothing but win, but who knows? That'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I have a bad feeling though, that the PAC 12 will end up cannibalizing itself. Like it always does. That's what we just mentioned. before you got. I'm glad I, I'm glad I could come on late and uh, just reiterate the things that already got said. Well, we were saying like, we were talking about the playoff picture and the PAC 12 champion is going to have at least one loss. Yeah, probably too. Like it, it's it's going to turn into a Apparently, real. I have faith that Washington, Oregon could go undefeated. One of those two, I think. Can. USC, I have no faith will go undefeated. They're going to have. Well, are they doing divisions this year? I I don't think the Pac-12 or Big Ten, Big Ten does uh divisions for the championship game anymore, right? I know the Big Twelve never did. Sorry, not Big Twelve. Sorry, not Big Ten. Big Twelve. Big Ten definitely. Still Big Twelve does. never did. Big Ten does. Pack twelve. I'm looking at the standings right now, and it's one giant thing. So I think it'll just be the top two teams. So it'll be interesting if like Oregon and Washington end up. Which it's ridiculous if any conference still does the divisions. They make no sense anyway. Just put your yeah. top two teams. Just look yeah. at the Big Ten. The Big Ten championship hasn't been interesting. Well, it was cool when it was the le- the legends and the leaders. You know, Ohio State like had were a cool names. Cool names, but the names are what matter. But yeah, like, and even a couple of years ago, Penn State won the Big Ten championship, and Ohio State still went to the playoff. So like, it's 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 like you're you're saying your championship game doesn't really matter. But John, if you're if you're upset about the way that the the conferences are currently constructed, then boy, do I have some good news for you. <laughs> That's true. 
I heard there's a little bit of movement going down, maybe maybe a 12-team playoff as well. I've been heard, hearing some rumbles of that too. So, I mean, I think that a year of college football like this, um, this is this is where I think the 12-team playoff is super interesting. It seems like anyone can beat anybody this yeah. year. Like, this is the vision, which I love. Yep. Well, I heard uh, Richmond scored like 45 with a freshman quarterback over Maine. So that's really yeah. the biggest biggest uh, win of the weekend and i think richmond's going to get the call up to join the sec pretty soon you know we're southern school oh, no. <laughs> the, uh, the the culture of university of richmond really what's the stadium requirement for the sec do you think we meet that oh yeah. uh, i think we Definitely. have to do some renovations <laughs> we apparently afford- uh christine's parents went down there this weekend for the game and they said that there's no more student section Oh, sad. Yeah, that it's just been eradicated because it was just sitting there empty. Rough, rough. Very rough. Yeah. Put us Good in the Sun Belt. Get the get the get the students excited. Uh, Sean, real quickly, who is Morvin? Oh, that's my uh, boy from uh, abroad. He lives in L.A. Okay, I didn't know if it was somebody that I knew or. No, no, no. He came to Pig Roast one year. He went used to go to American University. Yeah. Um, he's a really funny dude, but he's a he's an actual LA sports fan, even the Rams. And he we were texting with the Eagles Rams game this weekend, and yeah, they 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 don't have actual fans, the Rams. It's pretty sad. Except for him. It was a home game in LA for the Eagles. Um but maybe we'll have him on if LA sports do anything. Isn't every like the the People just go, they, they like other fan bases want to go see that stadium. So they just right. go to LA. Tickets are cheap. That's the same thing with the Raiders stadium. It's just like a destination game. Like fan bases travel so well to Las Vegas. Right well, I was going to say for Vegas, that's probably it. But for the Rams, you probably just have a pretty significant Philly diaspora that lives in LA. He did say it goes Niners, Raiders. Cowboys, Eagles fans, Rams fans, Chargers in terms of NFL fans in LA. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, if you're just if you're just there, they're gonna be there, you know. Um big city. Shout out Morvin. If uh maybe US soccer or something, we'll we'll get you on at some point. Um he's Morgan hit- the one who was talking a lot of shit right when we started, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was the one that said that you're a bitch. Yeah, that's right. I remember you, Morvin. <laughs> I thought that was Minge. No, 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 no. Minge no. also talks a lot of shit. No, no Morvin. Minge, not about me though. No, Morvin. Morvin's. I have. I've had his Instagram profile picture taped to my ear <laughs> every morning. Morvin's the- throwing some shade at me on Twitter. He can fuck all the way off. <laughs> he interacts a lot with our Twitter page. I'll say that. This morning he tagged us in something a little derogatory. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Uh, I saw. <laughs> I saw we got a, a tag. I didn't see what it was, but now I might have to go. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Shout out, Morvin. Dude, One... why Why would he think we would want to see this? I don't know. Why... <laughs> <laughs> um, instant block. No. <laughs> um, he'll just make a burner. He has plenty of burners. I'm pretty sure half of our Twitter followers are just his burners. So. That and Haas. Shout out Heinous Haas. That guy's always always liking stuff. Dude, fuck Haas. Haas, is, I, I lose brain cells looking at that guy's Twitter. Um, just because he agrees that the Fanatic would kick Blooper's big blue ass any day in a, in a wrestling match. That's one of the better takes, too. It, they, the guy is just 
You're muted, Skylar. Am I? You aren't anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Go back on mute. It was just a really good podcast when me and Jeep were talking. I can only imagine. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Really? Gonna, it would have been a lot better if you guys both actually believed in your teams, but I think both of you have been beaten down as fan bases. No, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm you're in. in? Oh, that's good to know. The issue with being a Philly fan, Sixers aside, I have no optimism with the Sixers. Is that it's that meme that it's like you got me back in, you're pulling me back in. Like every year, I think it's going to be different. <laughs> but that's but, every fan base. Like that's every every fan base who makes playoffs gets pulled back in. And then in a, in a rest in baseball's of case, you're going to have twelve disappointed fan bases. Oh yeah, it's like in Arrested Development where where he's like. Uh, and does it ever work out for those people? No, they just delude themselves into thinking that it might. But it <laughs> might work for us. <laughs> exactly. That's how I wake up every morning on a <laughs> playoff game. Um, all right. I want to start with the Niners stopping the Cowboys. And I do got to say, are the Niners – like what's – can you compare them to a team to have this hot of a start into a season? Because I think they might be the best-looking team five weeks into a season that I can even remember. They look so complete. They do. It's early, but this is the vibe that I got with the Eagles last year. Yeah. It's just like, who who is going to stop this team? Um, But, again, it's early for five, you know, what, what week five takes make it to the end of the season. We'll, we'll see if this... That's, I, have, I have Herbert at six in the QB rankings, and that's a week five take. You know, he's not making it that odd. Obviously not. Now, it, this feels like one of those where, like, A, in the NFL, it's always about health, right? So you lose two key pieces, and all of a sudden... And the Niners never stay healthy. Like, that's kind yeah. of the one... Especially Christian McCaffrey. Like McCaffrey. When, Christian McCaffrey being on the 49ers, like, the guy's knee is just bound to explode within the next three weeks. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a quarterback to finish the season last year. So, like, you know, I, I agree. It's definitely a little bit of a week five take. Um, and then the other bit is they haven't really played anybody that good. And then the Cowboys gave them, like, their worst game of the season yesterday. I mean, part of that's obviously because the Niners are really good. But it felt like a uh, any given Sunday kind of performance from Dak and happened to catch him on one of the bad ones. Yeah, that's Dak Prescott and the Cowboys in a nutshell. Like, they can look like great dominant world beaters, and the media also loves to pump up the Cowboys. So they're probably – you presume they're better than they actually are. Um, and they've gotten a little bit banged up. But, yeah, they did not come to play at all. And Dak Prescott's back to being Dak Prescott once yeah. again. Although, did you see um, C.J. Stroud broke his record for the most pass attempts to start a career without an interception? I'm like, Dak Prescott owned that record? Of all people. (laughs) Of all people. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think the Cowboys aren't, whatever it was, 32 points worse than the Niners if they played again. But I do think that the Niners have – the Eagles are also undefeated. But And and I'd say the Rams game was a good win. But – I do think the Niners are a tier above everyone else if you had to, like, tier them. Interesting. I honestly think you're not giving Philly enough credit. Um, I think that they have the better quarterback by a lot. And Brock Purdy's, like, solid. Oh, by a lot. 
<laughs> I think I think that it's going to be tough when you got a full season of tape on Brock Purdy and we get to the playoffs and he's expected to kind of elevate the team. Um, I think the Eagles definitely have a better uh, have uh, Jalen Hurts better than Brock Purdy. I don't think that that's a, ter- a terribly ridiculous take. I think that's yeah. the thing with the 49ers is like when they get to the playoffs, uh, Kyle Shanahan needs to find a way to not ask Brock Purdy to elevate the team. But and that's the classic Niners problem is like you have these quarterbacks who look great, but then you have to, you know, every good team has quarterbacks that kind of elevate it. And he, I don't know that he's necessarily one of them. And yeah, every good team, every Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts made it to a Super Bowl. Like the teams are able to acquire talent to mask. Yeah, he's the quarterback. Um, I'm not going to even address that. But the Niners, I do think you're right that, and also to build this roster that they have, they have gotten rid of their depth big time. And the key to the NFL is the team that's most healthiest. Like the Eagles were so healthy last year, which just amplified their run so much. And this could happen to the Eagles too. Like knock on wood, I hope nobody gets hurt. But if the Eagles get banged up, I don't think we have amazing depth in most positions either. Our corners, our corners are already looking bad. Um, so it's, they got to stay healthy, but if barring everything and they stay healthy, I know the playoffs things tighten up, but their offense, it's like, who do you limit? Cause last night the Cowboys said, we're going to not let Debo or Christian McCaffrey destroy us. Let's leave George Kittle open. (laughs) Kittle had three touchdowns by the first half. So then they're like, crap, we have to cover Kittle. And then McCaffrey went off and it's just like. Yeah, is is Debo a top five wide receiver? No, but he's so good in that offense. He's just he's just a, a perfect West Coast Shanahan guy. Yeah. Do you think he's a top five? No, but I think he's a top ten, and I think McCaffrey's a top three running back, and I think Kittle's definitely a top three tight end. So, yeah. I, I, just the weapons they have. It's not like Ayuk is a fullback yeah trent williams is the best tackle in the league and they have a lot of talent i mean joey uh nick bose is probably one of the best dns in the league they have uh, fred warner is one of the best linebackers in the league like they have a lot of high-end talent that's what you can do when your quarterback's only making nine hundred thousand dollars a year you know you have uh i mean i'm not too too upset with the eagles d-line this year obviously and we got a good replacement for him but hargrave looks like a monster still on the four on the 49ers now like they're 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 loaded yeah. uh but again it's week five things things happen um, and the whole, with highly paid players that are in like you know high leverage positions is that if you lose a couple of them then you're you know it's basically 40 million dollars of you know unspent cap or, or yep. cap that's just going to no actual team building stuff because they're they're hurt so i mean obviously don't, don't not wishing injuries on anybody hopefully everybody's healthy and and but that's putting a lot of faith in your high level starters and exactly what you said like i don't know that they have the best depth as far as these teams go but we're nitpicking they look fantastic yeah um all right i want to talk about the most blasphemous unfair advantage i've ever seen the nfl give out and i like the jacksonville jaguars (laughs) i like lawrence i like doug peterson a lot i like how they're constructed 
but this they played back to back games in England, so they stayed in England the whole week. Meanwhile, the Bills, who the Bills, it's their fault for flying a red eye Thursday night. Like they should could have came over earlier. But they had to travel during the week to get to London and just like, while well, Jacksonville's been there for two weeks. I thought that was the most unfair yeah. thing that the NFL's done in a long time. If you're not dumb, though, and you're the Bills, you come on Tuesday. Yeah, totally. So, like, I just, that that makes no sense to me. That's that's a very bad decision on their part. It's so still- I almost thought that it was... If you're the Jaguars, you're this is a totally different rest and recovery plan than you're used to. Normally, you're doing this at home. You're doing this in the Jags facility. I don't even really know what their setup was. Like, I'm sure that it was makeshift to some degree. And so I, I get what you're saying. Like, the time difference definitely makes a difference. But, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think it's as massive as a difference. If it was handled well by the Bills, obviously, they didn't handle it very well. Yeah, I mean, I looked into it a little bit like how teams stay in London and everything. And there's like facilities that they have set up. And I think as they continue to play more and more games each year in London, the NFL at some point is just going to build a facility that like the teams stay at and everything. But it's still state of the arc. It's still good. I just thought that's so unfair. And I know Jacksonville is like the London team, (laughs) you know, but like, I but I somebody made a good point to me. It's like, it's a shorter plane trip for Buffalo to England than it actually is from like Buffalo to LA. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, I guess maybe it's an overreaction on my part, but supposedly the internal clocks work going that direction too. Like they don't affect exactly. as much going West to East as they do East to West. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know if they played both games in the same stadium? They didn't, but it's, it's England. It's such a, it's like as big as Pennsylvania. Was it was it just London? No. Yeah. So they played one in Tottenham Stadium. Did they play the other in Wembley, or was it? Yep. Okay. Last week was in Wembley. So they they basically they didn't have to change hotels or anything. Like they were probably not. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a pretty big advantage. Uh, no, like the whole like you're not home for that long. Is that not also feel like a bit of a disadvantage? No, because these guys travel the entire season. Like I, I think not. Like they're prepared this sort of no, but how do you prepare for like just going to london for what what they were probably there for 10 days almost two weeks yeah like just doing that in the middle of the season hopefully it messes with their clocks uh long term causes some problems i would love to see the jags struggle a little bit yeah i mean i love the idea of these international games like they're also playing games in Germany now. I just don't I I I don't like the Eagles playing those games because I feel like they're such crapshoots. It's like Thursday night football on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> if I find out who can win these games. I don't know why we're sharing our glorious sport with the people who tried to make us pay way too much tax. I did see a great tweet about how disrespectful it is to go sing the national anthem <laughs> written about beating the british in a war at wembley stadium with the sport that of which the name we stole <laughs> like, <laughs> i thought that was uh, that cracked me up they welcome us with open arms i would say the fans love it the lund like the england fans that are there have a great time they sing on road. they sing <laughs> <Little> <laughs> diamond like they're just having fun I- 
part is how everyone's just wearing a football jersey. Yeah, yeah. It's not team specific. It's just like, if you have an NFL jersey, get it out. Yep. It's like when I mean it's the same thing when Premier League teams come here and play a scrimmage. So everybody's just wearing their soccer stuff. But you're right for how the fans are looking. Everything. It'd be well if the Premier League though was just like, all right, man, you and Chelsea, you're gonna play a Premier League game. Like it counts for the Premier League in St. Louis or like in Chicago. Like <laughs> you know, like and it counts is uh is one more. It's funny that they're sending the Patriots to Germany and they didn't want to add another layer onto the uh. Onto the onto the British hatred train, right? <laughs> How do you think Belichick feels about having to go to Munich? Um, I think he probably thinks it's pretty stupid. Um, but honestly, at this point, I I think that they should, you know, their home game should be in Antarctica or something, so no one has to watch them anymore. So, cool. say, so, did you uh cool. did you watch the second half? It's uh no, no, I didn't. I actually went to go turn the game on. It was twenty one nothing, and I decided I don't need this today. But uh, I think it might be Malik Cunningham time. Hell yeah. We don't need Bailey Zappi. Just skip over Zappi. Pull up Malik Cunningham. It's time. You you just have a thing for these mobile quarterbacks. I like a good mobile quarterback. I'm, you know, I've never seen success with an immobile quarterback in New England. So I just, you know, that's the only thing I know. What? I'm joking. Um, but <laughs> but no, things are bad. Uh, but I guess now we'll get Caleb Williams next year. And so I'll be happy then. Yeah. I'm living George's dream over here. No, you're not, because you have a coach who will refuse to tank like that. It seems to be out of his hands, doesn't it? Mm. Tank, but you're still losing to the Saints, then I'm sorry. At home, I'm sorry. It was the first time Bill Belichick has ever been shut out with his starting quarterback. Well, so, and the fascinating thing is, um, Defense looks good. Special teams looks good. How did the offense not get better from Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien? Like, like what happened? Bill O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing. I've been on the Bill O'Brien sucks train for, well, really since he since Penn State did at Alabama, wasted Bryce Young's potential. I don't know about all of that, but I, well, Bryce Young can't do anything away from Bryce uh, from Bill O'Brien. Bryce a Heisman under him. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no. I, uh, that that's really sad. I think that we'll probably um, not have to talk about the Patriots for the rest of the season. So. I don't they, want you to check out though, Skyler. No, it'll come up again. I'm sure. Now <laughs> it's like how many seasons is Belichick going to slog it out to try to get the regular season wins record? That's true. <laughs> He's going to have to do six more years. Hey, went on uh, a rival podcast. Um, Keith won't respond to my messages um, and said that Belichick can't break the wins record with New England and needs to go to a different team as a as a Boston guy. It's like, shut up. Wow. I yeah. mean, could you imagine Belichick coaching a different team? That would be. Maybe he goes to D.C. That yeah. would, You know what? You know what? No, I mean, I I obviously hope that the Patriots right the ship, but uh, this is this this is a level of disappointment in my fandom career that I am not used to. I actually floated that idea to Commander Superfan Jack Carney this week, and coming down as president and head coach of the Commanders, and he says he's washed. I don't want him. The stats tell you he's never won without Brady. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I guess keep rolling with Rivera. 
Um, I did kind of want to talk a little bit about the NFC North. Sure. Guys' thoughts on there, because they had a good week. I mean, we'll see how uh, the Packers do tonight. But um, Bears went on Thursday. The Vikings look serviceable-ish against the Chiefs, but fall to one to one and four. Um, and then the Lions keep on rolling. Is it Detroit's division to lose? Yes, I would say so. I think the Lions are a legitimate. Last week, I think I said the Lions, I think, will win a playoff game. I'm on them to get to the NFC conference game. Ooh. Depending on how the bracket looks, you know, the Niners and Eagles will still be good teams in there, but I like the Lions a lot. Their offense looks good. Aiden Hutchinson is a dog. Like he might be defensive player of the year now that Micah Parsons hype has fallen off. Um, (laughs) You know, like they look good. Just to say on the bears, I crack up so much that, I'm already looking at Twitter and people are already tweeting out like with the Bears owning their pick and the Panthers pick, they could build this offense around Justin Fields, like Marvin Harrison Jr. And like the top running back in an offensive tackle. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. One Thursday night football win and you're already off the Caleb Williams train. <laughs> like, well, I that's actually what I wanted to kind of talk with you guys about is you're uh you're sitting you're owning the Bears. How are you feeling right now? Like what is the because it feels like one week ago all hope was lost and it was literally like, yeah and it was we'll get the number one pick we'll start over and now because last week wasn't terrible. And just kind of a blown ending. And now it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of consistency there. He's put up two pretty stellar games in a row. I think you draft – because with the Panthers, they look so bad. And I think between their pick and the Panthers' pick, they're going to have a top three pick. Yes. If that's Drake May or Caleb Williams, like if they don't get the one and they can't get Caleb Williams, you take Drake May, you have to cut ties with Justin Field at this point. But do you think, like, Caleb Williams, if the hype train keeps going and he's, like, the surefire number one overall pick, the whole thing, I think that that is a bit of a different landscape. But what about, like, what you said with the Drake May thing? Like, maybe a muddier situation where it's not you're like, oh, we're taking a bona fide number one overall pick quarterback. It's kind of a bit of more of a waiver of a guy who played in the ACC. You still feeling comfortable pulling the trigger on that? Yes, he looks very good. Yeah, he, I, I, if the Titans somehow trade up for him, I don't know what we, how we would do that. Like, I would be thrilled to have either him or Caleb Williams or Brock Bowers. Brock, like, if we could, that that's gonna be they're gonna be the top three picks, and I think both of those are like total game changing. He's past Marvin Harrison for me in terms of guys on my draft board. He's a tight end, and yeah, that's bad yeah. position. Kyle Pitts was the last tight end that was taken in the top five, and look how that's worked out. No, I, like Brock Bowers is, I think, going to turn into what Kyle Pitts was supposed to be, uh, except for he's better than Kyle Pitts was in college. Like he, he's more dominant. He runs routes so well. Like yeah, he's technically a tight end, but he's a weapon. He he's so fast. He's big. He can block, which like. I guess that you shouldn't even be looking at that if you're going to take a tight end top five, just like, can he get open? Can he make catches? Yes, he can. He can do unbelievable things. For an He's a sure oh. top five pick for me. 
that was the whole Kyle Pitts argument was that he just is a wide receiver. So you could value him like a wide receiver. But then I think that the difficulties of getting him actually involved in the game plan started to shine through. All right. Also, I, I think Brock Bowers is different. I, I think Brock Bowers is the best player in college football, not named Caleb Williams. Like, I agree with you that he is a really good football player. I think he's been more dominant at his position than Caleb Williams has been this year. I mean, sure. Like, obviously, the Heisman's a quarterback award, so I'd be shocked if, like, I'm giving the Heisman to Brock Bowers. (laughs) But what I was going to say is that you you just – I don't think you can spend that high of a pick on a tight end unless you were, like, an Eagles last year that got the ninth pick from the Saints type of situation. Like, you need to be a pretty complete team to spend such a high pick on a tight end. Well, there's a number of teams right now that I do think would be interestingly positioned to, let's just say they go, they go one, two, three, nobody surprises moves up the board and it's Caleb Williams, Drake may, and then Marvin Harrison. And you're sitting at four and you're one of the teams that took a quarterback last year, like the Panthers or the Texans. I could see going out and getting Brock Bowers in that kind of situation. Absolutely. Um, agree with you. If there are, if there are any other massive holes on the team that you probably have to address those first. And I'm sure that we'll get linemen that start shooting up the boards. Um, who's the, uh, uh, the, the tackle for Notre Dame, Joe Alt. Yeah, he, he's good. He's going to be a top pick. Goes above Brock Bowers. Um, that's the heart. I think it's just the Kyle Pitts experiment was kind of an experiment of taking a tight end so high and it just hasn't worked out. So I doubt a team, although you know who I could see doing that? but I don't think they'll have such a high pick this year is like the Lions. They just go against conventional wisdom, you know? Like <laughs> That would be such a fun offense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I could see Campbell being like, he's just a great football player, trades up. <laughs> well, him, but... you can't say it worked for Jameer Gibbs, but they're having a good season, so it didn't totally – Hey, you know what? Long season, too. I mean, maybe you just don't want your rookie running back getting banged up like that so early. Montgomery honestly just looks really good. So yeah, yeah. I don't think I expected David Montgomery to be so efficient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, NFC North and Intra Division. I think if the Packers pull a win out tonight, adds a little pressure onto the Lions to keep staying good. But I, I do see the Lions pulling away in the, the division over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they definitely look the best, but it's just an interesting dichotomy with both the Vikings and the Bears that the Bears have looked horrible, but now have a spark of life. And the Vikings have just been very unlucky in these games going down the stretch. It'll be curious when there starts to be some divisional games and to start roughing each other up a bit. Um, What about the Dolphins kind of felt like? Dolphins, I think they've come back to earth a little bit. I still think they're probably a top two contender in the AFC. I would still put them right there with the Chiefs. Sure. Um, but we'll see. I still, it's the same thing we talked about last year. I want to see them once it gets cold. <laughs> you know, like, I know that's a lame thing to say, but like, it hurts to get hit when you go that fast. And then suddenly you get a dead leg and then you can't just run past everyone. Like, it's, it'll be a little different. That, uh, that AFC divisional game in Buffalo is going to be brutal. Um, that, that's, that's funny. The other, the only other one that I had that I, I wanted to bring up was the, uh, the Ravens weapons and, and what, and if we think that this is a situation that they can overcome. They're Ravens piss me off. 
Because, like, they're good. The Ravens oh, yeah. are a good football team. Why can't they beat the Steelers? <laughs> Just, like, win against the Steelers. Come on. Is that division? That division is like, – there's a rule in gambling where if – there is over a three-point spread in that division. You take the underdog and just close your eyes. It, it's always just a down-to-the-wire dog fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get the Steelers-Ravens might be one of the best rivalries we have in the NFL, but it's like it's just something. Something when Lamar plays the Steelers, he just can't, he falls apart. He doesn't know what he's doing out there, and it's like Lamar, you're you're so talented, you're so good. <laughs> wasn't I didn't watch the game, but he had some good throws that were dropped. I think Nelson were... Aguilar's back in prime Nelson Aguilar form. Yep. <laughs> it was good to see it when it's not in Eagles green. You're right. It wasn't totally Lamar's fault. Dropped touchdown in the end zone that was so wide open. Nelson Aguilar being Nelson Aguilar down the sideline. Like, it's just, it's nuts. I want to ask one thing. The Eagles have perhaps the hardest stretch of games I've ever seen on a schedule. And I want to see what you guys think they can come out of this. So the next eight for the Eagles is at the Jets. And then in week seven, Dolphins Sunday night football. Week eight at Commanders, who just played them tough. And then it gets really tough. Week nine, Cowboys home. They get a bye in 10. Week 10, it's at the Chiefs Monday night football. Week 11 is the Bills come to town. Week 12 is the Niners come to Philly. And then week 13 is Cowboys Sunday Night Football in Dallas. That's their next eight. <laughs> I know I know that three of those are primetime games. Not enough of those are primetime games. <laughs> like the, like Eagles- the Bills-Eagles at 425. How are you putting Niners-Eagles at 425? That's crazy. The Eagles only have one more 1 o'clock game the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts, but... I don't know. Eagles are five and zero right now. The next eight, I feel like they need four. Or they they need five wins to win the NFC East. I think they need like six or seven to take the one seed because the Niners' schedule is so easy the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really bank on the Eagles getting the the one seed just because of what a ludicrous draw their their schedule is this year. Um, but I mean, honestly, looking at the games, I think that they're probably you know. Fa- I'd say like favored in each of them. I think the, I think that the Dolphins are going to be tough matchup wise, just because from a pure speed perspective. But it'll be interesting to see how the D line holds up. I think the Commanders is probably a win. I think the Eagles will beat the Cowboys. Um, but then the Chiefs and the Bills, I think, are fascinating. And then obviously the Niners is a is a huge game. And then the Cowboys again. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a gauntlet. How do you feel about it? Just that you want a winning record over the next eight? Yes, but I feel like you have to win the Jets game to start this, which I feel like we we should. But, you know, Zach Wilson's playing better. Jets look good on defense. Still tough defense. But win the Jets game. Dolphins Sunday night football, I feel like it's a winnable game. Um, so that's two. Commanders is a win. I feel like the Cowboys, we're going to lose one of those. Sure. So puts us at four wins with a loss. I know we just played in the Super Bowl. I don't give a shit about the Chiefs game. Like, I would rather beat the Niners. Of course. I mean, obviously. And I would like to beat the Chiefs. But if there's like a trade-off there, like where you're game planning, you give your interns to start looking at the Niners week and the Bills, like, 
I'm kind of okay with that. Might need a silent buy at some point. Yeah. At some I, point. I think so the that, game is 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 a good matchup for them though in the regular season. Yeah. No, it is. But I mean, like I I see five or six wins. Yeah. Is what I see. I feel like Chiefs, Bills, Niners, we're gonna lose. I really don't want to say two, but definitely one of those. I feel like we're gonna lose. So yeah, that is a tough uh playing the Bills on a short week is is a little brutal. Yeah. But that's what happens when you were the best last year. I guess so. Well, you weren't the best. And now for sage advice from the uninformed. Want to do our sage advice, wrap it up? Let's do it. All right. My sage advice is the MLB playoffs. I think they need some help. I was talking to George earlier. The MLB playoffs always produce these awesome moments. But I feel like out of all the professional sports right now, maybe hockey, we're not a hockey podcast, so we'll exclude them. But like MLB playoffs always produce awesome moments. Stadiums are fun. You know, baseball, there's the romance of baseball about it and everything. But to the casual baseball fan, if your team's not in it, why do you give a crap? The promoting, it's terrible. The games are always at terrible times. Why were the wildcard games at the same time? Like spread those out. Give yourself some leeway. They had days with no games. And st- like I would be so pissed if the Braves played at three o'clock on a weekday. Like, right. That would <laughs> piss me off so much. It, it's like, oh, wh- nobody showed up to the Rays game. Yeah, is it it's in the middle of a working day. Like I Rays fans don't like aren't the most active, but still, like the stadium would have been full if you put it at seven o'clock. I I agree. Um but I don't. I can't really think of a solution. So, your sage advice: there is no solution. You're fucked. <laughs> no, no, not that there is none. He just can't think of one. All right. I my advice to the MLB is a. I think there is a bit of a disadvantage to the teams that get the buy because not playing baseball for a week can kind of hurt your bats. Yeah. Get rid of any buys. So whether you take away a playoff team or you add one or however you sort it no buys everybody plays in the first round first round game five best of five and then it's best of sevens the fact that the phillies and braves are in a best of five which is the most exciting series of the entire playoffs is ridiculous that should be a best of seven and then also just don't put the games on top of each other like you have enough west coast teams and enough east coast teams that you can lay them out so they're they're not on top of each other learn from the nba the nba's playoffs take like three months like just spread yeah. them out. Grind it out. <laughs> yeah, they they squeeze it into one like October month, and there are just as many games as the NBA, or not not as many. Because um, they don't do series, but they don't do three out of five. But yeah, they, mine mine would be follow. I I guess a little bit similar to Sean in following the NBA blueprint, but I think the NBA uses social media in such a good way of like getting people really attached to the parts that are really cool. Like what you mentioned, Sean, with the the big moments and the romance and all of that. And they just like, as somebody who's a big sports fan, I, I get almost none of that on my different social media. Um, so I don't know if it's because ESPN is just like not as bought in about it. I don't know if it's because like the kind of March Madness TV uh TV providers are the ones that are actually playing this and they just don't have the reach like that, but CBS, 
play up those big moments like you know that that we play them on repeat like make sure everybody knows when they happen and kind of paint stories for the next game so um i'd say leverage social media a little bit better and hey you know tbs if you want to uh if you want to throw bryce harper uh on the pod you know do a little do a little media tour we'll take him I'll even take um, a cunha. I'll even take a cunha. All right. He we doesn't speak have- a lick of English. That wouldn't go well. Um, Fun. I'll revise my statement. I think we've talked about that just really quickly. We've talked about doing this with the NBA, but having the one seed get to pick who they play. Hmm. Because like the Braves should not be playing the who I, I would argue the third best team in the National League, possibly second best. About to be best. All right, we'll see. Uh, don't uh, keep writing these checks, bro. <laughs> um, so, and I think that adds a personal aspect of like, oh, like the one seed picked you guys. That it makes it personal. Uh, and then if we did see an upset, which like I think upsets happen more. Like baseball is more prone to upsets than football. I would say, Definitely. like the. the 2021 Chiefs would never lose to the Steelers. Like they played each other in that first uh, round of the playoffs, but that was such an uneven matchup. Like everybody knew the Chiefs were going to win, whereas there is no certain series win, no matter how good a team is. So I think the one seeds getting to pick who they play would add an interesting element. And, you know, the way that they could, you know, expand the playoffs, because people are going to say, well, it's just too much on the pitcher's arms to have a long playoffs. Do you need 162 games? I know that will ruin the home run race record and stuff like that, but like, do you need 162 games? <laughs> regular season. No, the, the the regular season needs to be shortened. But also, like, that's part of the fun of it. Like, you have to find new arms. Like, that's kind of what makes playoff baseball cool. It's like, all right, like, this isn't ideal, but we need three things out of this guy. Let's get it. The Phillies pitched a guy in, in game one. That started the year in single A. He did single A, double A, three A. We brought him up a month ago. He pitched two major league innings and we put him in the game for game one. It the was a We'll have multiple guys like that in game three, unfortunately. You know yeah. what? He's inspired me. I'd like to revise mine too. Slutty <laughs> uniforms. What was that? Bloodier uniforms. Bloodier? Yeah. yeah. Really let it all hang out. Incorporate no. fighting too. Like, involved. I really wish that the other sports head coaches would wear the full uniforms like the baseball managers do. Why are baseball managers dressed up like they're about to take the field? I want to see Dan Tony in a long pair of basketball shorts. No, yeah, with the with the tank top jersey in the NBA. That would oh, yeah. be so funny. That, it would be great. Imagine Pete Carroll in a full football uniform. That'd be cool. They got to wear the football pants, too. <laughs> at least kind of built like someone who played football at one point. Throw it on Belichick. Yeah. Put on McDaniel even for that for that Put it on McDaniel. That'd be so funny. Uh, Alright, I think we've done it. Done it. In time for first pitch. Alright, Skylar, you have to be the tiebreaker. Who's winning tonight? Atlanta ties it up. Oh, here we go, here we go. Phillies in four. Phillies in four. You've heard it here. Phillies in four. At the bank. They gotta go to the bank and win one. It's not happening. At the bank. Phillies in four. All right. I'll see you guys later. All right, bye. Yeah. <laughs>